opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You have tuned in to the Mark Harrington Show, sponsored by Created Equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders to take on the culture of death and win. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. So what do you think about sanctuary cities? That's right, sanctuary cities. What do you think about those? You're listening to your radio activist, Mark Harrington, here on the Mark Harrington Show. You can go to our website at markharrington.org. And we're going to be talking about sanctuary cities today, but not the type that you're used to discussing, at least on a national level. That is, we're not going to be talking about sanctuary cities for immigration or for illegal immigrants. We're going to be talking about sanctuary cities for the unborn. And the other night, President Trump announced his bid for re-election. And when he did, he talked about how Democrats running for the presidency, running for the White House, every one of them should be disqualified if they don't support, uh, uh, I'm sorry, should be disqualified if they are in support of sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants. He said that's a disqualifier. My question is, what about sanctuary cities for the unborn? What about that? Well, interesting enough, uh, just recently we had in the state of Texas, in Wascom, Texas, a small border town on the border of Louisiana, we had the city council there pass an ordinance and a resolution making it a sanctuary city for the unborn. And that's what we talk about today on the Mark Harrington Show. So we want to talk about this idea. This is the first time uh, that a city has declared itself a sanctuary city. Now, it's not the first time that a city has attempted to uh, deal with the issue of abortion. As far as I know, the first time that had taken place was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in 2013, where yours truly, your radio activist, helped uh, local activists there, pro-life activists, try to get past a city ordinance protecting preborn babies from abortion in late-term abortions. And the reason for that is the the one of the only late-term abortion mills in uh, America is based there in Albuquerque. And so the city tried to do something about that by passing an ordinance outlawing late-term abortion. I was part of that. Unfortunately, that uh, that ordinance uh, was defeated, but it was an attempt for a city to take ownership over the abortion issue uh, for the first time that I'm aware of. So this isn't the first time a city has done something to try to stop abortion in its own jurisdiction, but as far as I know, it's the first time that uh, they have declared it uh, a sanctuary. So in other words, made it illegal to perform abortions within that city. Wascom, Texas. So this happened uh, just a few days ago that the city council passed a, an ordinance and a resolution declaring it a sanctuary city for the unborn. And what I want to do, I want to play, a, this is a clip 
uh, from one of the news stations there in Wascom, Texas, talking about this sanctuary city for the unborn. Go ahead and play that clip. City Council passes an ordinance tonight declaring themselves a, quote, sanctuary city for the unborn to prevent an abortion clinic from ever opening in that city. NBC6's Alexandra Meacham joins us now in studio control with more. Alex? Yeah, that's right, Jackie. So Wascom is the first city in Texas to do this. Now, there are no abortion services in the city of Wascom, so supporters are calling it a preventative measure. It was an abnormally packed house inside Wascom City Council as community and church members came out to show their support for Wascom declaring themselves a sanctuary city for the unborn. And so we decided to take things into our own hands and that we have got to do something to protect our cities. And, and to protect the unborn children. Before the council unanimously passed the ordinance, the mayor warned citizens that they will face a lawsuit, which the city cannot afford if they lose. But it's all in an effort to make it to the Supreme Court and win. Most likely we will wind up getting sued at this And it can go Supreme Court. We don't have possible millions of dollars that it take to take it to that level. We can't pay those kind of attorney fees the city don't have the money. The ordinance includes exceptions for rape, incest, and if the woman's life is in danger, which they said they needed to include in order to make it to the Supreme Court, in order to overturn Roe versus Wade. All right, let's end it there. Let's end it there. So here you have it. Uh, Wascom, Texas, the first sanctuary city for the unborn, passing an ordinance making it illegal to perform abortions within the uh, city limits except for in the cases of rape and incest. So uh, what I want to do in the program here is kind of make a couple observations about this whole thing and, um, and, and you know, give you uh, my take on this whole concept of sanctuary cities uh, and whether we should be in support of these or not. First of all, uh, conceptually, uh, of course, the city should take its uh, own measures to outlaw abortion. Uh, this is not a federal issue. It's never been a federal issue. It's always been a local and state issue. Roe v. Wade was decided uh, uh, improperly. It was unconstitutional. It was an overreach, a exercise of raw judicial power and judicial supremacy. In fact, Clarence Thomas just this week in an in a, uh, opinion that he wrote on an unrelated uh, issue to abortion basically opened the door for reviewing types of precedents like Roe versus Wade. He came after this whole concept of stare decisis. Stare decisis meaning that we, as court justices, we, as justices to the U.S. Supreme Court or other courts, that we respect the precedents of the court. And he said that, well, if the, if the decision is wrongly decided, then stare decisis should not apply, basically. Uh, so Clarence Thomas is clearly in line with the idea of reviewing Roe versus Wade from what we can tell. He's probably one of the only two justices that have made it explicitly clear that he's not in support of Roe versus Wade, the other being uh, Justice Alito. The other three we don't know about. The other so-called conservative judges, Roberts, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh, we really just don't know. Uh, and we won't know until they speak out on that uh, issue. So the idea that we have five votes on the Supreme Court, I think, is incorrect. We don't. We, for sure, we have two. We could have five. We just don't know because they're silent, mainly silent on the issue. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. Justice Roberts, the chief justice, controls the court to a certain degree. And he's loath to doing anything that is going to be considered controversial. 
I've said before, five votes isn't going to get it. Probably six, well, possibly maybe seven on the Supreme Court might actually get us to a place where we might overturn it. But this has been the process over the last 46 years by the majority of the pro-life movement, and that is that we need to overturn Roe versus Wade. And in order to overturn Roe versus Wade, we have to elect pro-life presidents to the White House. And if you elect pro-life presidents, then you can put justices on the court that will overturn Roe versus Wade, return it back to the state legislatures where they can begin to take jurisdiction over it and possibly pass a human life amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which requires two thirds of the Congress and three quarters of the states. Very high, or, uh, tall order, no doubt. But that has been the strategy of the pro-life movement for better or for worse for 46 years. We're starting to see progress, folks. I mean, we just are. I mean, it, you can't deny it. I don't care what people say. We are seeing progress. Uh, and it's mainly because of the work of the pro-life movement over the 46 years and the election of Donald J. Trump as president and the two additional Supreme Court justices. States and now cities are beginning to say, we are going to make abortion law. And that's a good thing. We support that, right? We want to support sanctuary cities for the pre-born or sanctuary state. You can call it whatever you wish. But these jurisdictions, state, local, they should be making up a, their own abortion policy, irrespective of the Supreme Court ruling in Roe versus Wade. Now, they can do it one of two ways. They can do it in an attempt to overturn Roe versus Wade. In other words, send up the chain of command, if you will, to the Supreme Court, a law that they might put, uh, might be able to review and use to overturn Roe v. Wade, or do it in complete defiance to Roe versus Wade. That is, that you don't respect the Roe versus Wade decision in passing this law. And then you put in a chain of events where a city or state will simply stand against it as a matter of law and kind of force this constitutional crisis, so to speak, between the state and the federal government, exercising what we call federalism. That is that the states have sovereignty over issues like murder, right? So either way, the idea that this city, Wascom, Texas, is passing an ordinance making it illegal to perform abortions is a good thing. Whether you ascribe to the, the idea of overturning Roe versus Wade by you know, filling the hopper with legislation, ordinances from the state and local level to reverse Roe, or you want to defy Roe v. Wade. Either way, it sets into place the possibility of being able to do that. Now, what's interesting about this is that, uh, in part is what's interesting about this, is that this ordinance includes a rape and incest uh, uh, rape and incest exception to, to the ordinance. Now, keep in mind that a lot of people, obviously, and myself included, uh, would not support a rape and incest exception. Now, the reason why they did it is the same reason that the state legislature uh, in, um, I'm sorry, the, the reason why they did it is they believe that without a rape and incest exception, it won't make it up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's, that may be true. Uh, that was one of the criticisms of the Alabama law, that it didn't include a rape and incest exception, and therefore it'll be struck down uh, right away and never have a chance to make it up to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's probably true. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it so we should do that in order to get it up to the court. But it's just a fact of, of life that that's how it works, that lower court decisions that are struck, lower courts strike down laws like that and therefore they never have a chance to make it up to the Supreme Court. 
The ones that make it to the court are the ones where there's conflicting decisions between circuits, so to speak. So for an example, if the Harpy bill was ruled constitutional in one circuit, ruled unconstitutional in another circuit, that's the type of law that the U.S. Supreme Court generally reviews. And so when people include these rape and incest exceptions, like in this case, in this ordinance, they're thinking in terms of we wanted to get it up to the U.S. Supreme Court. They're not simp- they're not this, you know, saying let's pass a rape and incest exception to this ordinance because we believe that those should be legal. They don't believe that. Nobody does. They're just trying to be pragmatic. I wouldn't do it. I don't think they should do it. But it's interesting that it included this rape and incest exception so that it might make it up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So they are clearly ascribing to this idea of overturning Roe versus Wade with this ordinance, not only attempting to ban abortion within the city limits. Now, a couple of things with that. First of all, they talked about the cost, the cost of uh, defending a law like this. And they say, well, we don't have millions of dollars. True, a city doesn't. This is the same argument we hear at the state level. We heard it in the uh, arguments against the Harpy Bill in Ohio. And that is, it's going to take, take the skates, it's going to cost the states all kinds of money to defend the Harpy Bill. Well, it's true. It will probably cost millions of dollars to do that. The question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? The state has the resources to do it. It's worth it to defend babies against murder, simply put. I mean, we if we're going to spend money, which we do, and le- you know, liberals are, are totally good with spending all kinds of money on other things, but yet when it comes to abortion, they don't want to spend any money. But we should be willing to spend money to defend a law like that. Now, with the city of, of Wascom here, they can appeal to organizations like the Alliance Defending Freedom, Thomas More Society, and other pro bono legal organizations to defend them. They won't have to spend a penny, uh, more than likely. So the idea that they're going to have to spend millions of dollars that they don't have, that's eh, probably not going to happen. Uh, what's interesting, though, is this whole rape and incest, getting back to that, rape and incest exceptions. Years ago, I read this book by uh, Daniel Becker, who wrote about personhood. And uh, in this book, he documents how in two, the year 2000, almost every state legislature that were passing laws on abortion were including rape and incest exceptions. That was the norm. That was the status quo. Pro-life legislation that was being passed at the state level include rape and incest exceptions. And what he did is he documented over the, over the next 10 years or so how they were able to persuade every single pro-life legislator in the, in the state of Georgia to not include rape and incest exceptions to the abortion laws that are being passed. And so it is today, now to 2019. On the state level, you will be uh, hard to, it'll be hard to find any state statute that's been passed that includes a rape and incest exception. Why is that? Because the pro-life movement has succeeded in, ch- uh, in, 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 in convincing legislators not to include that exception for obvious reasons. Because whether you're conceived in love or in the case of rape and incest, conceived that way, it doesn't change the fundamental issue of whether you are human or not. And we shouldn't punish children based on the way that they were brought into the world. And so they've been able to prevail. We have been able to prevail with these legislators to not include rape and incest exceptions. So I'm kind of surprised that, that it was included here in, uh, in Wascom. But it's one of those things that, you know, you, you, you could get it passed now, go back a year or two or even sooner and possibly change that 
once you convince legislators that they don't need it, they shouldn't put it in there. So this idea of the rape and incest, you know, I, I sit here now in 2019, I saw it. I mean, I, I was I was witness to all these bills being passed with rape and incest exceptions. We don't see that now at all. Now, the president of the United States and the Congress, they're still in the mindset you got to have this stuff to get it passed. And then they're not right about that. I mean, well, they're right. Prudentially, they're right that they probably can't get it passed. But that doesn't mean that we should should allow it. We need to make the case that rape and incest exceptions to a law are immoral. And I agree that they are. Now, so that's Georgia Right to Life and their uh, their experience with this. Michael New, Dr. Michael New, who now teaches at Ave Maria College, has also documented how incremental pieces of legislation, prudential pieces of legislation, have saved lives over the years. And I've gone into that in detail. But it's interesting that the all or nothing crowd, once again, isn't happy even with this ordinance in Wascom, Texas. They say that because it includes a rape and incest exception, it shouldn't be supported. Now, I get that, but why not we get it passed and then go back and revisit it? Why not take what we can get and then go back and convince these people that we can get we can do better, that it's immoral to allow this kind of thing? Why come out and, you know, and, and tank the thing from the start? We should be supporting legislators and, you know, these councilmen in Wascom for doing the right thing and being the first sanctuary city for the unborn. Now, what I'd like to do is talk about this whole question of sanctuary cities in the in the few minutes we have left. Um, there are those who support these, and I do support sanctuary cities for the unborn, that will compare the idea of creating a sanctuary city for the unborn with creating sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants, for those, those who smoke weed, marijuana, and for homosexual marriage. Now, keep in mind, back in the year 2000, I think it was um, the, uh, I don't remember, maybe it was the Obama administration, refused to enforce laws outlawing homosexual marriage. And it happened in San Francisco where they just simply passed a law saying that we are going to allow homosexual marriage in our city. And they defied the laws against the Defense of Marriage Act, the Defense of Marriage Act. They defied that law. And the federal government didn't do anything about it. Why is that? Well, here's why the federal government didn't do anything about it, because the federal government, controlled by the deep state and then President Obama, wanted it to happen. See, it was an issue of political will. Same with, and, and that's true with, with homosexual marriage. Now that it's legal, of course, it's across the country legal in the sense that the Supreme Court has issued an opinion saying that it's legal. You compare that to, say, marijuana laws, immigration laws, that cities are defying the federal government, creating these so-called sanctuary cities for immigration, sanctuary cities for marijuana usage. And then people say, well, we've done it on homosexual marriage. We've created sanctuary cities on immigration. We've created sanctuary cities on marijuana use. We, could be, we, we should be able to do that with the unborn, with abortion. And on the surface, it, it seems to make sense. You think about it and you say, well, yeah, why not? Why couldn't that happen? If it's happening on these cases and these cases, why couldn't it happen on abortion? I say, let's try it. It's worth trying, but let's understand the difference. We need to go in with our eyes open. We need to be realists to understand that there's some flaws in that analogy. And here they are, basically. On immigration, first of all, you're talking about major cities, 
major cities like Columbus, Ohio, or Chicago, or or what have you, Dallas, Texas, something like that. Those those cities, most major cities in America are controlled by Democrats. They just are. Democrats are pro-immigration. Democrats are pro-homosexual marriage. Democrats are pro-marijuana use, smoking weed, right? With abortion, they're pro-abortion. They're not for abortion. The idea that you're going to get one of these major cities controlled by Democrats with a Democrat mayor, a Democrat city council, probably all Democrats, maybe no Republicans on the uh, the city council, like in the city of Columbus, which, which I reside. The idea that you're going to get one of these major cities right now to pass an ordinance outlawing abortion, making it illegal to perform abortion in one of these major cities that are controlled by Democrats is a pipe dream. It's just not going to happen right now. Now, we need to keep that in mind. It's the truth. And until these cities are controlled by Republicans and pro-lifers, we're not going to get major cities to create sanctuary cities. We're just not. And the truth is, if you keep in mind where abortions are occurring, they take place in the major cities. It's highly unlikely that Wascom, Texas, is going to have an abortion clinic anytime soon. Now, the reason why they were proactive in passing this ordinance to outlaw abortion in their own city is because they're a border city to Louisiana. Louisiana just passed a heartbeat bill and signed it into law. And Texas is concerned, or at least Wascom, Texas, is concerned that people will cross over the border and try to have commit abortions in Wascom, Texas. It's a legitimate concern, right? Because the heartbeat bill will outlaw most abortions, women who want abortions will cross over the border and procure, procure their abortions in states or cities in Texas. That's why Wascom did this. So the, the, it's a proactive measure. I think every city should be a sanctuary city. And this is a proactive measure that can be taken by border states that are outlawing abortion like uh, Texas is to Louisiana. But we got to keep in mind, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, it's highly unlikely that we're going to pass a, an ordinance outlawing abortion. And that's where the abortion centers are, are, are located right now. So uh, there is a breakdown in the analogy. Now, that doesn't mean it can't change over time. It doesn't mean that we don't try this, which we are in Wascom and I support entirely. But there is a difference between a sanctuary city that we're going to try to set up here for the unborn and one for illegal immigration, uh, marijuana use or homosexual marriage. Now, homosexual marriage is no longer really an issue. But the idea that these are analogous is is not correct at all, at least right now. And that, again, these border cities should be doing this. Uh, it's uh, one other point here, and I think this is uh, of interest. The same people that are upset that there was a rape and incest uh, exception in this ordinance, which I don't agree with either, but I'd say take what we can get and then go back and get what we need to get, which is a total ban on abortion, including uh, rape and incest abortions, are the same people that said harpy bills shouldn't be passed because they are compromised. They are uh, disobey God's law. Well, if it weren't for the harpy bill in Louisiana, uh, Wascom wouldn't be doing a sanctuary city. The idea is you pass a law outlawing abortion in one state, they might try to cross the border to a state which is more, uh, you know, uh, more willing to allow for abortion to take place in its state, right? I mean, that's the whole point. That's why abortion bans like we're putting in place all across the country with heartbeat bills and other bills in Texas, Oklahoma and other places have to include 
a prohibition, criminal sanctions for anyone who takes someone across the border to procure an abortion. They have to include that. If they don't, that's a that's a problem. That's a loophole. The Texas law doesn't include something like that. One of the things I I've spoken up against is that we need if you're going to ban abortion in Texas, you got to make also clear that people taking women across the border to a, a state that allows abortion should be against the law. So we have to ban the idea of allowing women to go across the border to get of an abortion from a state that allows it versus one that doesn't. So anyway, in the we got we got about a minute left in the program. I, let me just wrap this up. We need to support sanctuary cities for the unborn. We need to support city councils like that in Wascom, Texas, that are preparing itself for the idea of a border state outlawing abortion, or in the attempts to to uh, frontally attack Roe versus Wade by filling the hopper with state and city uh, bans on abortion in order to overturn Roe versus Wade, or to simply to defy Roe v. Wade altogether. So I hope that helps in trying to clear some of this up. I'm for it all, folks. I'm an and both guy, incremental prudential measures and outlawing abortion altogether. And that's why I support sanctuary cities for the unborn, like these courageous men and women in the city of Wascom. So you've been listening to your radio activist here on the Mark Harrington Show. Go to markharrington.org to find out more. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.